0: What does it mean to live out your faith? We looked at it last week and we're going to um, look at it again. And we're looking at living out your faith from the letters of John. So we're in 1 John chapter 2. Then the Apostle John, uh, when he opened his letter, he spoke about darkness last week. We looked at this business about darkness. Those who claim to be in the light, but walk in darkness, lie and deceive themselves. But what does it really mean to walk in darkness? You know, we throw out these words as Christians, you know, we're walking in darkness or don't walk in darkness, but what does it actually mean uh, when the Bible says about walking in the light and not walking in darkness? in darkness? What does it actually really mean? And so in our Bible reading, John explains that a lot more for us. So three things that I want to say um, that John speaks about. The first thing he speaks about is the world. Look what he says here. He says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. Walking in darkness is loving the world. Now, when John speaks of the world, he is not speaking about this beautiful planet that we live on. I mean, if anyone watches David, David Attenborough you know, and his programs, and you, and you see how incredible our world is. Absolutely incredible. You know, um, in those programs, these wildlife programs, you see all different kinds of seasons, terrains, jungles, deserts, animals, sea, It's absolutely incredible, the world that we live in. That world is absolutely beautiful and stunning. But John is not speaking about that world when he says, do not love the world. When he speaks about the world, he's thinking about the ideologies, the standards, and the values of this world. Our society has values. Our society has standards. Our society has ideologies within it. And we interact with those ideas. We interact with those um, uh, standards every single day. That is the world in which John is referring to. You know, there was a time... Um, when smoking was acceptable. I remember years ago um, seeing it on on some black and white TV, you know, the newsreader telling you the news smoking a cigarette with an ashtray next to him as he tells you the news. It was acceptable to smoke on television. But now that is not acceptable. It's changed. Back in the days, in the 1940s and 50s, it was acceptable for um, a group of white boys to see a, a young man with a different color skin and to go over there and to beat him up. That was acceptable because of the color of the skin. Everybody did it back then in the UK. That was thought, that's okay, you can do that. In fact, in some countries today, it's still acceptable to mistreat somebody because of the color of their skin. You go into Asia, parts of Pakistan, a group of people called the untouchables. They are the people who, the society have rejected them and pushed them to one side. And in that society, that is acceptable. You see, the world has an ever-changing ideology. What is right today might be wrong tomorrow. And what is wrong today might be right tomorrow. And so John writes, and he says these words, he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. If anyone loves the world the love of the father the love of God is not in them why because God hates what he sees in our world the oppression of women the exploitation of children the greed of government just to name a few God hates what he sees in our world, Now, some people get uncomfortable with that. They don't like the idea that God hates something. You see, in their world, God is a God of love. Therefore, God loves everything. I remember um, a guy who used to come um, to our church some years ago. Uh, he's an actor. And, and he said to me, you know, Jerry, you know, when you speak about God hating certain things, he said, it makes me very uncomfortable. You see, for me, God is a God of love. And he said that time and time again. And I remember being in a meeting with him. And he made a joke about some sin that he did. And everybody in the meeting laughed. And the reason why he was able to joke about sin was because he didn't take God seriously. God is a God of love. And because God is the God of love, I can do and I can live and I can act and I can behave just as I please, even though God hates certain things. God hates not people, He hates certain things. And if you love the things God, if you love the things God hates, how can the love of God be in you? You know, over the, um, over the years, you know, um, here, I've just been talking to um, Jimmy Rowe. Um, we've been reading a couple of books. About 12 or 13 years, we got into reading this book uh, called The Christian in Complete Armor. I think me and Grant read a bit of this as well, didn't we, Grant? We read a bit of that book as well. And, and one of the other books that we read was a, a wonderful book about prayer called The Power Through Prayer. And while we was reading those books, What came out from our reading as we read those books and prayed, what came out from our meetings was these words. Lord, teach me to love the things you love and to hate the things you hate. You see, it's so easy. Before we were Christians, we used to um, love the thing God hates and hate the things God loves. And so it's very natural for us to continue going forward, loving the things that God hates all the time. But we need to be taught something different as a believer. We need God to come in and teach us. Lord, teach me how to hate the things you hate and to love the things you love. That's a prayer that should be on every believer's heart. And when a Christian says, oh, I can't hate anything, God, the God of love, he loves everything. No, that is wrong. He does not love everything. And we need to learn afresh how to hate what God hates and love what God loves. Okay. The second thing I want to speak about is the flesh because there's three things John focuses on about what God hates. Three things we find in the world. So um, the next verse. The three things are in this verse. I'm, I'm highlighting the one that I'm going to be speaking on. But let me just read the whole verse to you. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. So the first thing then, the cravings of sinful man. You know, I've always said this, I'll say to the day I die. I'm so glad that men do not have babies. If we men had babies, the human race would have been stopped a very, very long time ago. It's painful. In fact, if I had to have a baby, I would remind my child every single day, I went through pain to have you. Every single day. They won't forget it if a man had to do it. You know, we had babies. They will never forget. But during a pregnancy, I understood that women have cravings for certain things. I don't know what that craving might be. It could be craving for peanut butter, cravings for marmite, cravings for cabbage or Brussels sprouts. Many men have driven down a lonely night looking for a shop Because their wife said, Get me some Brussels sprouts or I die. And I would like to do a survey of these women today and find out what was your craving? And they were sure they would tell me what it was. They had to have something while they were pregnant that they craved. But you know what the Bible says? There's a craving that sinful man has, it's a craving for sin. In fact, what the Bible says is that the men, sinful men and women, anything and everything that is sinful, that is wicked, they have a desire for. They want it deeply. They have this intense passion to get what they want because it's sin that they're after. You know, we despise men like Gary Glitter who leaves England and sets up home in Thailand so he can abuse children. We despise men like him. But I want to tell you, that sinful craving can be found in any single one of us. A desire for what is wrong and what is horrible. That is the cravings of sinful man. God hates it. And you and I need to guard our hearts against the cravings that this world presents to us. And we say, no, I have to have it. That is from the world, not from God. That's the first thing. The cravings of sinful nature. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, that's number one. The second, the lust of the eyes. Now most people may limit this just to a sexual thing, thinking that the lust of the eyes is just a sexual thing. It's not. The Bible does not limit it like that. In fact, for us to understand it a little bit more, you go to Philippians 3, 19. And um, Paul writes, and he says this, speaking about ungodly men and women, he says this, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Their God is their stomach. That's another way of saying the lust of the eyes. These people make a God of anything. It could be food. It could be sex. It could be money. It could be ambition. It could be promotion. It could be children. It could be parents. It could be husbands. It could be wives. They will make a God out of anything. So many things are quite innocent, legitimate, to have a a, a desire for them, but they make a God out of them. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says this over in Matthew 10. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is worthy of the number one spot in your life. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who laid down his life for you. Listen, Jesus Christ is worthy of the number one spot because he's given himself so you can have eternity. In fact, it's far more safer to take your mom and your dad and to place them in Jesus' hands because he will love them more than what you can ever love them. It's much more safer taking your children and placing them in Jesus' hand, because he will care for them far more than what you could ever care for them. Jesus says, if you love your mother or your father or your children more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. Why? Because I deserve the number one spot in your life all the time. The fact is, the lust of the eyes is looking at anything and you say, that is more important than Jesus. You find that in the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lusts of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. We turn to our third one, the boasting. Now, you know the thing about boasting. It actually says, I don't need God we turn around and said, look at me look at my beautiful mind I've got such a wonderful mind look at my wonderful body I've got such healthy limbs look at my wonderful home that I have, look at the, the wonderful car that I drive look at the wonderful children that I've got all around me. I've done all of this all by myself There's a guy in the Bible who said that. did it end very well for him. You find him in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. He turned around and he said this. I've got the verses on the screen for you. It says this. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this great Babylon I have built? at the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Look at this. The common man walking around his house in Loughton, Essex. Look at what I have done. Didn't end well for this man. He became insane. You see... The boasting of what you have and does does not come from God. It will never end. Look what I have done. You know, I took my dear brother, Steve. He hadn't got long to live. The doctors said he may have two or three short weeks left. So I took him out and we went out for a drive. And as we were driving in the sun, um, he looked so frail sitting next to me. He looked out and he said to me, Jerry, these people don't know how lucky they are. That's what he said. They don't know how lucky they are. Look at them walking around the street. I'm there dying. They don't know how lucky they are. And that's very true. It's when you become sick, when you become ill, you, when you realize that the strength is gone from your body, you can't do what you, you can, you want. St- was able to do you realize what a blessing it is to be sitting here today the next breath you take God has given you that breath the very fact that you woke up this morning and come into the house of God God has given you the ability to come the very fact that you can earn money and finances to buy your cars and your houses and your food God himself and at any moment God can withdraw that from you and yet, in our world, people don't think about God doing anything. They boast about what they have. Don't get me started on Facebook. I'm telling you, I can preach a sermon on Facebook. Don't get me started on that. Because on there, there's boasting of what I have and what I've done. It's not from God, the flesh. The world. Let me just finish off um, my message by spoken about the world. Spoke about the flesh, but now I want to speak about the savior. The savior. That verse here says this: The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever the cravings of sinful man that will pass away, making gods of people, of possessions that will pass away, boasting that will be put to one side one day, all of it will pass away, all of it will fade away. You know I love um, flowers, Um, I didn't used to love flowers but then my wife started taking photographs of flowers and so now I have got a a love for flowers as well. So we go out and we look at flowers, absolutely beautiful. We was out yesterday looking at really incredible patterns of flowers. But you know, come October, those beautiful flowers will be no more. It's a reminder of this verse right here. The world and its desires will pass away. They're not going to be there forever. We see every single year. Sometimes, I don't think we think every single year, we drive down a barren um, country lane and and we see all the twigs and stuff and come springtime, it's full of life. Wonderful. And we say, wow, beautiful this, this part of the road is. But come the end of the year, it is barren. It fades away. And what the Bible says is everything in this world, everything will fade away. That's what the Bible says. But he also adds this, but, the, but whoever, the man, the woman, who does the will of God, lives forever. You know, I was driving last, a couple of days ago, I was with my brother again, and as we was driving, we went to our old school, and that was demolished. You know, I went past my old gym, and that too was demolished. One day this church building is going to be demolished. But you know, the Bible says that the man who does the will of God will live forever. The question is, what is the will of God? That is the question you should be asking. What is the will of God? Well, Jesus gives you what the will of God is. Look what he says over in John 6. Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants you to do. There's no other work God wants you to do. This is the only work God wants you to do. Believe in the one he has sent. That's it. The only work, his only will for you, is that you put your faith and your trust in the one that God has appointed, that God has ordained, that God has sent That one is Jesus Christ. That is the will of God for you and for me. No way running around trying to do different things to please God. The only thing that God wants you to do today is to make sure you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ today. The world will say something completely different. The world will say, crave sinful things. The world will say, have a lust in your eyes. Anything your eyes can see and want, take it. The world will say, boast, boast, boast. Boast about all the things that you have. Keep on boasting, put them online and boast about it. But God says, all of that will fade away. I will take them all away. But the one thing I will not destroy, the one thing I will not take away, is the man and the woman who's put their trust in my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you put your faith in him? Have you put your faith in him? If you have, then everything will fade. But the man, the woman who does his will will have eternity before, entering into his presence, worshipping and glorifying him, learning all about the infinity of what he embraces. Just walking and pleasing him. That is my desire for you and for me and my family. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we realize we live in a world. It's a beautiful world that you've given us, Lord. The creation is absolutely fantastic. the, The stars, the sky, the Bible says that heaven declares The glory of God. The mighty waves and the sea and the animals that live and inhabit in those beautiful places. Lord, some of us are going on holiday and we're going to places that are going to be so wonderful. The world you've given us is so beautiful. Lord, we thank you for it. But gracious God, we know that within this world, there's a standard that's not your standard. There's a value that's not your values so low, oh God. Your value, your standard is so much more higher. And yet we live amongst a people who have cravings for sin. We live amongst a people who have lust in their eyes. We live amongst a people who boast about what they have achieved. Oh God almighty, help us to realize that all of this will fade away. May our trust be in Christ and in Christ alone. Help us, Lord, we pray. And ask all these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Let's close by singing Before the throne of God I stand. I have a strong and perfect plea. Let's just sing this song. It's a quieter song, but it's reflective. Let's just... Sing this together, shall we?